Welcome to the Theology Mom Podcast, hosted by theologian Krista Bontrager. Each week, Krista provides practical teaching to help everyday Christians gain a deeper understanding of their faith. And now, here's Krista. Welcome, come and join us. Today's conversation is going to be real talk about the events happening over in Israel. We want to answer some questions, have some conversation, bring some other points of conversation into the overall broader discussion of Israel. We're going to be joined by Kevin Briggins, my podcast host over on Off Code. And so, yeah. Yeah, well, we did, uh, yesterday I made a post as we were driving to the airport of just inviting questions. And so far, about 40-something of you have responded with questions on the Facebook post. So we thank you for that. We're going to try to field a few of those. And this will be the first in what will likely be a few conversations related to the events in the Middle East. And we're not going to be able to tackle everything in one discussion, but we do want to get the ball rolling on a few issues that we're noticing on social media and do just as we always do, uh, helping you make sense of what's happening in the world from a biblical worldview. Yeah. And we're not going to pretend that we have all the answers, Yeah, but we will do our best to navigate at least a few of these. As Krista said, we will have more conversations, but today we're going to do what we can. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how y'all doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, this is going to be a little bit different type of discussion than we normally have. So it is, it is. And you are just, you're at your mother's. Uh-huh. I was and... going to say. I am. Yep. I am at my mother's. So a little bit different location than normal, a little bit different background. Yeah. But, but we're, we're going to hotel. Yeah. We're in a hotel in Charlotte. My... <laughs> so. Yeah. But it's, it's an important topic that we really need to discuss. And so. Yeah. So rather than waiting another week, we thought we would just hop on here and do the best we can. Yes. So Brandon, glad to see that you are watching and Rob's watching from Los Angeles. So if you're- Power watching- to the people in Los Angeles, man, holding <laughs> it down with them gas prices. Yes. And we yes. hit $7 yet there. Yeah. So. Ooh, we almost. Man, it's crazy. Almost. Well, we're going to kick off the, the conversation. I first want to start- just as an organization of the Center for Biblical Unity and say that our position is that the murder of people, innocent people is is just deplorable. It's wrong. This is not something that we look at and we take lightly or we think, you know, well, we'll get around and say something, you know, when when we can. Many people might be wondering why it's taken us so long to come out and say, well, this is wrong. We always want to make sure that we are saying things that are in line with scripture and that we are not just rushing to put out statements, you know, the way, you know, some people just, okay, well, I have to, I have to make a statement. We don't take that approach. We will speak and and say after prayer and after research and things like that. And, you know, we definitely, our hearts are with those who have died or, you know, family members of people who have died, friends, loved ones, those in the region, those who are witnessing this or who know people who are involved in this. And our prayer is that people would come to know Jesus, that those who do not know Jesus would come to know Jesus. And honestly, our prayer is that those in Israel would come to know Jesus and that those who are fighting in in line with Hamas or in line with Palestinian efforts would also come to know Jesus. That is that is the only hope that we have for our nation and for this world, for every nation. And so we ask that you also um, pray with us as our hearts are saddened and confused and angry and, you know, wrestling through all of the emotions, but our greatest hope will always be Jesus and our prayers and our hearts must align with him and his plan. We talk a lot at the Center for Biblical Unity about transformation, cultural and social transformation, but make no mistake about it, that our position is that 
Um, changing systems and structures will never change hearts. Only the gospel can do that. Yeah. And um, that we hold to a position at the Center for Biblical Unity of gospel-led, gospel-focused, gospel-centered, social and cultural transformation. I don't know, Kevin, do you want to weigh in on that? No, I mean, I think you all nailed it. I mean, I was over here, amen. Um, because so many things pop up when these issues happen and they come up. Um, we can get so caught up in the the politics or the the details, but at the end of the day, we know what the issue is in the world as a whole. And we know what the issue is in this particular situation, even though we're going to dive into the details and particulars to kind of help people understand what's going on. But it's good that we keep that broader perspective of what is the real problem in the world. And that's, that's sin and, and those who don't know um, the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. We know that um, we believe as Christians that humans are fundamentally and intrinsically flawed, that we are deeply flawed after the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, and that although our first parents were created without sin, that is not the state that we find ourselves in today. And so when we talk about governments and policies and all of that, we always do it from a posture of knowing humans have a tendency to drift toward evil and to violate each other. That's just our natural bent as we struggle with sin. But in Christ, we have hope for redemption. And so that's the lens through which we view these kinds of things. We have no great hope of a human utopia apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So so let's jump in into jump in. Yeah, let's jump into a bit of this conversation. And I want to start with I wanted to start with some of the questions, but I actually think a better place to start may just be with Kevin, what, what the three of us kind of discussed offline about what we're seeing and why we're seeing some of this, maybe from that oppressed oppressor viewpoint first. Yeah. Um, we should probably start off though by saying Kevin has a background in Middle Eastern studies. Yes. And and is in the and is in the military. And we definitely thank you for your service. <laughs> so uh and and I do wanna just kinda lay before we get into the oppressed oppressor thing is I think uh we had a question earlier that'll just kind of set the table for that discussion that our friend Jesse um sent in. Jesse's a a stay at home mom, a young mom and with a little kid and she's just saying I'm so confused about what's going on. Why are people celebrating these attacks? What is the historical context that has led people to believe the attacks are justified? I know the history has been complex and nuanced. I'm just lost. Um, and so I think that's the perfect place to start us off, Kevin, with yeah. you know understanding why are people celebrating these attacks and there's a connection there from celebrating and Hamas to the critical social theories, which we have been talking about for three years. Yes. So the history, um, I'm trying to, it, we can go into a lot of detail with the history, but the broad overview is at some point, the Jews decided they wanted to return to their natural homeland after World War I. So this is after World War I. The Ottoman Empire controlled that area of the world. So the Ottoman Empire control is out of Turkey, and they control all of the Middle East and, and to include Palestine, at the time it was called Palestine. Well, they fought alongside the Germans in World War I, and they lost. So after they lost, their kingdom and their lands were divided up among the British and the French. And so there was no such thing as Iraq. There was no such thing as Saudi Arabia, Jordan. Uh, all of these nations we know today, those nations were created after World War I, right? And so when the British and the French drew these arbitrary lines and gave different people kingdoms and territories and land, well, with that, there was a mandate to give the Jews a homeland back in Israel. And uh, the British had a mandate to make sure that happened. And so fast forward, when you have a lot of Jews 
uh, coming into the land. Now they were coming into the into the land legitimately. They were immigrating in. They were buying land. They were setting up shops, houses. Well, the Palestinians who were there started to feel a certain type of way about it, and it caused a lot of friction between the two groups. The British tried to stop, tried to step in and stop the fighting. Both groups fought the British. And then after World War II, the British kind of washed their hands up and moved on. Uh, at that point, Israel, what we know today, kind of took over and you had different borders and lands. That, and we can, I don't want to get into that, but the reason that is so controversial today is because it is viewed as a colonization, right? It is viewed as a white colonization. Jews being white of brown land, Palestinian land. Um, we can go back and forth on, you know, whose land was it, what's legitimate, but that was the tension that was there. And so when people say, why are people- Really quick clarifying question. It was it considered okay. white because many of the Jews were emigrating to Israel from Europe? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so um, that's what leads to the idea of it being- yeah colonization, colonization. Of yes. white people okay and because you had the the european powers who won world war one the ottoman empire lost and now you got the british and the french in here dividing up this arab land right and so that is also why it's viewed as some type of colonization because you had the western powers dividing up this land and giving this land to mainly jews to want to immigrate from europe got it um, okay and like I said, and that was that was prior to the Holocaust. Now, after the Holocaust, there was a major push to get the Jews into their own land because of the atrocities. But this thing started after World War One, and and kind of really picked up uh, after World War Two because prior to World War Two, it was causing so much tension with the Palestinians who were there that so many Jews were coming in that the British to try to make some kind of peace. They, they halted how many Jews could immigrate. Well, after the Holocaust, they, they, that, that went away. And it was like, and they just kind of opened the floodgates for Jews to come in as they chose. And so that's kind of how we got to the state we are today. Um, but that is why people are celebrating. And why we, when we talk about the critical social theories, is the, it is viewed in the eyes of colonialism, right? Let me, let me show a, a quick post i think kevin maybe you were the one that sent us this um but it's we see things like this blm chicago now i understand that this post has been taken down but um it was up briefly and it's from blm chicago which i assume is sort of some offshoot of blm that uh since blm is basically defunct now but uh, it just says, I stand with Palestine, and there's a little Palestinian flag and a parachuter. And so there's some alignment between, that I think I'm supposed to understand here, between BLM Chicago and the parachuters who came into the music festival in Israel and began slaughtering people. So maybe we can help us connect some of those dots. Yes. So... The Palestinian fight, when we talk about the, the critical social lands, right, the oppressor and oppressed lands, Palestinians have always been viewed as the oppressed and the Jews have been viewed as the oppressors. So uh, groups like BLM or and especially all of these universities who put out statements supporting the Palestinians, it is because that is viewed as the moral side to take. It is the side of the oppressed, right? Um what made the BLM thing so disturbing is it wasn't just we stand with Palestine. When you use the parachuter, if you guys haven't seen the video from the music festival in Israel, Hamas, they use these paragliders to glide in. And when they landed, they started mur murdering people. They started gunning down people. Innocent people started running for their lives. And so when BLM posts a picture of the parachuter, and saying they stand with Palestine, they're saying they stand with Hamas. They're saying they stand behind these actions. They stand behind the terror attack. They believe it's justified. And to tie it into kind of 
of BLM narratives and the, the critical social theories, the oppressed is kind of justified in whatever they do to the oppressor, right? It's justified. It is a liberation movement. It is a, um, so even if it's murdering women and children and babies and it, and just as grotesque as it was and mowing down civilians, it's viewed as justified because the Palestinians are an oppressed group fighting against their oppressors. Mm -hmm. And so that's the framework for which people are seeing this and that the reason some people are celebrating this attack, even as horrible as it was. I don't think people understand that there is a whole critical theory around Muslims. So there's critical Muslim theory. And I know when I sent that to you, you were like, no, but yeah, there's critical Muslim theory that looks at Muslims and there's, there's different angles, which, you know, some critical theorists will apply this, but I just listened to, um, uh, critical Muslim theorists and Asian studies theorists who saw all Muslims as being a oppressed people globally. And when you look at something like Palestine and Israel, Palestinians would be considered an oppressed people. And so going back to Marx, because much of the critical social theories have their foundations in Marxism, this idea of revolution, this idea of freeing the proletariat or the oppressed and um, or freeing the oppressed, it, this is just an extension of that. It's a- This is what it looks like. Th this is what it looks like in real time that by any means necessary kind of, we can call for violence, we need revolution, that is what this looks like. And people don't understand that that's what it, it really looks like. This is why BLM can post a, and I'm not saying that this is every BLM person, so I don't, I wanna make sure that I clarify that, but that someone who supports BLM can post a picture like that with the parachuters and the Hamas flag and standing with Palestine because that violence is what is necessary to create the revolution to bring freedom and liberation for the oppressed. Let me show one more picture here of another social category. Just to, I just want to make sure people are really drawing the connection between the world events and the critical social theories. Here's a, a picture from a few days ago, Queers for Palestine. And it's um, some... I'm going to guess they're all women. I think one of them is non-binary, but uh, that they're holding a banner that says Queers for Palestine, Queer Action Collective. And so this, again, if we think about the events of the last few days. Well, and before we, okay. before we go on to the events, let's describe the flag a little bit more. So it's a big sure. banner, but it has the Palestinian flag on it. It's Queers for Palestine. And then on the opposite side of the Palestinian flag is a rainbow flag with a fist, which is often acquainted with like the revolutionary fist. Solidarity. Solidarity, the... Um, even at times, you know, Black Lives Matter, like we see this fist a lot. And so um, that is that is the merging of all oppressed groups. This is why we can see the Black Lives Matter and the queer or the trans flag being brought together. Because yeah, this it, merging of groups. Go ahead, Kevin. No, I'll just say it's intersectionality, right? Yeah. That's what this is. This is all the oppressed groups intersecting together. This is them uniting together. It's just the 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 naivete and the ignorance is the fact that if those people were in Palestine, they would be killed, right? Mm -hmm. Palestine ain't for queers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's just where it makes it just, it's really mind-boggling that they would say, hey, we're for these people, but the things they claim to be, if they were actually in Palestine, they would be killed for kill for it yes i mean even aside from the whole intersectionality component you're just american oh like yeah. can we just talk about that part you know so yeah. neil shenby our friend neil shenby tweeted out like you can't understand what's happening in the the picture queers for palestine without understanding this kind of matrix of oppression and i'm going to make it a little bit bigger here for people to see it but this is from a textbook, and you see here that, you know, the minority group, about two-thirds of the way down, one of the minority targeted groups 
is that of Muslims, whereas Christians are on the other side of the equation in the dominant group. Well, who else is in the marginalized targeted group? People of color. So it'd be like the BLM, the queer, the transgender, and the gays, lesbians, and all of that. So when you see people talking about oppression, colonization, it is to some degree with this lens in mind. Well, and this is what we've been saying for a while is that this is this can never be divorced from the conversation conversation of race, but they all go together. And so when you think about critical queer theory, critical race theory, you also must think about critical child theory, critical um, religious studies. All of these critical theories are one and they they merge and they bridge with this idea of proletariat or oppressed people. And so when we think of who are the oppressors, we need to be thinking of Christians. Christians are the highest oppressor. So in through this lens, through this lens. Okay. Yes. And so and, and I'm only talking about the critical social theory lens. Christians, white men, biologically straight men and women, um, those who identify with their naturally born um, genitalia, you are considered oppressive. Now, when we think about Christians, evangelicals, Protestants, we are oppressive toward every other religious minority. According to- According to this theory. According to this kind of- chart well that's not our position but that's according to the critical social theories and yes and it's yeah. important like we know our position y'all should know your position but do you understand the position of of your enemy we need to be understanding why people are going to look at us with side eye and why both in our country and abroad people will say well you are the oppressed now it was the oppressor you i'm sorry you are the oppressor when we consider jews though you can ask the question, well, why would, why, why if Jews are considered a marginalized group, would, you know, they also be attacked? Well, there's going to be degrees and hierarchies and there's also going to be an intermediate group as well. And so Jews would fall somewhere in, in between that. And if they're considered white because they're originally immigrants coming from Europe, mm -hmm. that explains some things. But as, um, as just, there's a comment here that in uh, Detroit, which has the highest Muslim population in the country, ironically, a few years ago, Tracy says the city of Hamtramck inside Detroit voted to remove pride flags from public party to appease their majority Muslim population. So they don't necessarily see themselves as aligned with the pride people. And those who uphold to the critical social theories, a lot of them haven't done their research. Yeah. Um, I will say this too, when it comes to the Jewish element in this, this is where the left is having some issues because how often do we hear about anti-Semitism, right? Mm -hmm. as, as an oppressed people, an oppressed group and something we need to fight against until it comes to this. And then at this point, the anti-Semitism of the left comes full circle, right? It comes all the way out. All their cards come out because they start to speak very, very heavily against the Jews. Because in this paradigm, the Jews are the oppressors, right? Um, and so this is where, I mean, they really get conflicted because for months we've been hearing about anti-Semitism and we can't stand for this. And now the anti-Semitist language is coming from the left. It's coming from the people who have told us that all their stuff is from the right, but the political right and the Christian right are the ones who support Israel, right? And so it, 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 it pits them in a hard place because when it comes to, you know, you basically have two oppressed groups and which one do they choose? And in this case, it's Palestine, it's the Palestinians because the Jewish state is backed up by the Western powers. Um, and the Jewish state are mainly light, fair-skinned Jews. Right? But you've helped me understand why 
I keep hearing on the news that Israel is our colonizers. That, yes. That's very helpful in, in your explanation, because that's another thing that our friend Neil Shenby tweeted out the first day is that you really have to understand this through the lens of post-colonial theory, which is yep. another critical social theory like critical race theory and queer theory. And so if people want to know more about that, there's a review on Neil's site at Shenby Apologetics and they can find out more about that. So I think that's that's a good place for us to start of yeah. you know, understanding that connection to the critical social theories. Kevin, maybe you could talk to us a little bit more too, helping us um understand a little bit more about you know, we're we're hearing rumblings in the news that tomorrow is supposed to be a big day of violence, that there's somebody from Hamas who's calling people all um supporters, Palestinian supporters all over the world to rise up to be part of the revolution and do violence. Like yes. what do we think about that, you know, is, is that every Muslim is it, you know, yeah. you know, you're in the military. I know you can't give away any secrets, but you know, <laughs> help us think about this a little bit. Yeah. Um, so like I say, my degree is in Middle Eastern studies. So and along with my career of looking at, you know, kind of terrorist groups, um, just understanding the ideology behind what drives these groups. And so one of the things I've tried to make an effort to do is for people to understand and to use the right language. Because when we just say Islam, we lump everybody together. When reality is, this is a particular sect within Islam. It's a theological sect. It's a theological belief that the vast majority of Muslims do not believe or hold to. Um, now, there is somewhat unified support for the Palestinians within the Arab world, but this idea of terrorism, this idea of jihad, this, this is not what the vast majority of Muslims believe. So just to kind of break it down a little bit, um, the, the technical term is Salafism. Salafism is a, the best way to understand it for our audience is it is a puritanical reformational movement of Islam. It is to say they believe Islam has lost its way. They've, they've, they've departed from the good book of the Quran and the ways of the early Muslims. And so it is a reformation to go back to the earliest practices and beliefs of Islam. That's why you get a lot of the you know, talks about Sharia law and a lot of the um, somewhat what we would consider very kind of brutal tactics because you're talking about what was okay in the 6th, 7th, and 8th centuries and you're saying, hey, if they did those things, then it's okay for us to do those things. And so that is kind of how you get to some of these things. But even when it comes to Salafism, the majority of Salafists also are not militant, right? They would say that, hey, Muslims need to get back to the original. We need to get back to what we lost. But how you get back there differs among different Salafists. You know, most of them, it is revival. It is, you know, teaching the Quran. It is, you know, being more dedicated to the Quran and the, 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 the five pillars and all of those things. But to another group, it is militant. It is jihad. And so jihad simply means to struggle. And historically, jihad has kind of been an internal struggle. Like as Christians, we might say we're struggling with sin or something like that. So if you were struggling with something, it was considered a jihad. Well, they took that internal struggle and applied it to this outward militant war, right? This jihad against the great Satan, the jihad against the West, the jihad against oppression. So when you think about jihad, you, you have to think about it in terms of a liberation movement. And that is why it is so closely related and tied to liberation movements we see in the West, whether it's, you know, the Marxist lens or, or what. That's why they find solidarity with one another. They feel like they're, a lot of times they're fighting for the same cause because 
they're fighting the great oppression or the great oppressor, which in their minds is the United States and the Western world. And so. That's super helpful. And Tracy's making a great point. We don't want to villainize all immigrants, even here in our own country mm-hmm. yep. or from the Middle East, because yeah. many of them are finding Christ. Yep. And there are brothers and sisters, there are family. Mm-hmm. We were talking in my class the other night with, um, I'm taking a class on cultural apologetics right now with Dr. Carl Ellis. And we were talking the other night about how the fastest growing church in the world is the church in, in Iran. Mm-hmm. And it's a church with no buildings. <laughs> As he said, they have they have no seminaries, mm-hmm. um, but they're the fastest growing church on the planet. So we aren't here to villainize in any way, shape or form people who are of Middle Eastern extraction. We know that many of them are our Christian brothers and sisters. And yeah. we aren't even here to villainize Muslims no. per se in because, any way. Yeah, because I want to say, I mean, I have... Iranian friends who are Christians mm-hmm. and I have friends from Saudi Arabia who are Muslim. Right. And so this isn't about, that's why I try to make it very clear. This is not about Islam as a whole. This is not about the majority of Muslims. It's like a particular sect. And the, the yeah. example I use before we came online is as if somebody saw the actions of the, the Westboro Baptist church, remember those people about those decides that God hates bags and all that kind of stuff. Imagine if somebody well, we just got said, demonetized there now. We cannot monetize. <laughs> oh yeah, we don't monetize. <laughs> We're not monetized. Um, yeah, but imagine if somebody from the outside looked at that and said, "That's what Christians. That's Christianity. That's what Christians do." Yeah. That's how a lot of Muslims feel about these groups like Hamas and Al Qaeda and ISIS. You know, they feel like they misrepresent what their faith and what they believe in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I, I try to make that clear so we, you don't. People don't go out and just judge it as a whole. Yeah. And so. So while we've got your military expertise, I'm going to put another question up on the screen and then we can continue this conversation that we're kind of already in here. Um, This is from another follower on our Facebook page. Um, Can we consider Israel? Sorry, were you? Go ahead. Yeah, read it. Yeah, for the podcast. Can we consider Israel a geopolitical ally and genuinely part of, quote unquote, the good guys while holding that they are not our brothers and sisters in the faith? Would it be correct to say that since they have rejected Jesus, the Old Testament God they worship is not the triune God? Um, Thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say Israel is not our ally based on religious ties there are ally based on on western liberal ties right Mm -hmm. they share the same western liberal when i say liberal i mean like classical liberal beliefs that like free speech and yes it's a a, a democracy religions yes yes And, and and so from that aspect that is why they are our ally because we share those as a nation because, I mean, if we're talking about Christianity, I mean, look at our own nation, our own leadership. We can't even say, you know, that about ours, you know. That part. Uh, and so, yeah, the reason Israel is an ally to the United States and, and Britain and Australia and, and that coalition of countries is because they share those same democratic Western values. Got it. So, so it's not that we're... Al, we're not allies with them for religious reasons because um, we're so-called Christian nation and they have some connection to the Bible because of being Jews. That's not the source of no. our allyship. No. Okay. Can you put the thing? I wanted to see the comment again. Oh, sure. Yeah. Thanks. I already erased it. Oh. <laughs> no, I could put it back. So I wanted to just... Here we go. Offer some clarification on wording. Um, The commenter says, while holding that they are not our brothers and sisters in the faith, I just want to never group everybody together because there are Israelis who live in Israel who are Christian as well, who have put their profession, hope, and trust in Jesus. As there Um, are people living in Gaza who are Palestinians. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. There are okay. Palestinian and Christian Jews. Yes. yes. And well, so would it be correct to say that since they have cr- 
um, rejected Jesus, the God of the Old Testament worship is um, is not the triune God. So I just wanted to to offer that clarification um, in looking at the God of the Old Testament and and all of that. That's not the discussion for right now, but I do want to bring clarity for that. Yeah. And as we kind of thread through this, hopefully we will be able to get to like, who was the, you know, what what is the God that Jews worship and that Old Testament God and, you know, things like that. But for today's discussion, just being careful as, as to how we refer to people the same way that, you know, not every Muslim person is a jihadist and yeah. someone who, you know, upholds jihad and the the tyrannical yeah. revolution and yeah. terrorism and things like and, that. And, and I will say this about the Jews and the, 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 the religious Jews, not just the secular Jews, but the Orthodox religious Jews. While we know as Christians, they are our brothers and sisters, we know they need the gospel, but because they hold to the Old Testament, because they hold to so many of the things in there, we share a lot of things in common with mm-hmm. them. We share a lot of values and beliefs and we can have discussions about the Torah and, you know, and the, 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 the writings and the prophets, and we can, we can have these discussions with them. Um, they, um, they, they value that. And so, so we know it's not a matter of salvation. No, they still need the gospel and our brothers and sisters, but at the same time, we have a lot in common, right? And that's why when we talk about our nation, we said, what was our nation founded on? It's always Judeo-Christian values, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so a lot of the things that we talk about here at CFBU, whether when in, in the culture, we talk about, you know, critical theory and these these biblical values we talk about, they hold to a lot of those same biblical values, even though they don't accept Jesus as the Christ. They, they, they're lost in that way, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's how we can also pray for exactly. people we know that yeah, they exactly. too would come to know Jesus as their Messiah and yeah. we can help bring the gospel to them. So, yeah. Um, Kevin, I would love to hear your reaction to some things I'm seeing on social media while we're on the topic of Jewish people and even Jewish people who are not our brothers and sisters. They don't yet know Jesus as their Messiah. I don't know if you've been seeing some of the mm, comments on Sam this. Say's uh, Instagram this week. I haven't. It's been rough. Sam is is kind of been taking a lot of, um, uh, he's, taken, he's taken some hits this mm. week. And uh, there's a lot of rhetoric, even among Christians against Jews, things like, well, Jesus said that Jews are, their children, their father is the devil. And in Acts chapter two, that, that Peter said, may the, you know, their blood or in, when Jesus was crucified, they said, you know, may his blood be upon us. And, you know, and using that, those statements to apply to all Jews today and uh, that they are somehow people that we should almost have nothing to do with. And I don't know. I don't know how to think about some of the comments. I'm some seeing. of the stuff I'm seeing is like, it's almost like a, they're not God's chosen people. So see, that's what they get. Mm-hmm. Which I find they brought it, it on themselves. It is the most wow. ungracious, uncharitable, unhelpful, wow. ignorant way of presenting. And, 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 we, and we, we, we wouldn't, and we wouldn't say it about any other group or any other country that took a massacre like that to their civilian population, we would not say, oh, well, they're not Christians, therefore, that's what they get. We wouldn't say that about anybody else, you know? Um, but, but there's a lot of rhetoric that, well, what did what did they do to to bring this on themselves? Which surely they must have des- deserved it. And maybe from a military perspective, you can clarify, when you use the word civilian, yeah. how is that different than going to war? Yeah. So, um, you know, we have this thing, you know, called the the law of armed conflict or the law of war, where we fight by certain rules. And you go, if in a war, you go out the military targets, right? You don't target uh, non-combatants, people who aren't involved in the fight. You don't go out there, um, people who aren't, you know, 
don't have weapons. They they're not they're not a danger, not a threat to you. Um, so to that that's what makes a difference between what Israel's response is and what other countries like ourselves we go out and we 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 go out and we hit military targets. We're going after tanks. We're going after you know enemy combatants. We go out to people who are actually fighting, and we're not targeting grocery stores. We're not targeting religious facilities. We're not targeting a concert where people are, you know, celebrating and having or school children mm-hmm. or, or school pre- children or, yeah. or hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. Because the purpose of that is not, it's not a military or strategic outcome. It's simply terrorism. It is simply to cause terror. So is that um, the difference between terrorism and war? war? Because yes. what strategy? So, because what I'm seeing on social media is like this conflation of all killings the same. No, um, the terrorism is the an act of violence for political cause, and so it's simply to cause terror um, in, in 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 the for for the purpose of a political cause, right? Um, and so is that's it to where go after the innocent civilians. Is that what makes it terrorism? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so if if Hamas had a cut through the gates and they did do some of this. They, ta- they attacked a Israeli military base. If they had done that, kidnapped soldiers, went back in, I mean, people who are pro-Israel would have been upset about it, that they got attacked. But the world wouldn't be up in arms about it because there was a, le- a legit military target. They took military prisoners and it was fair game. But when you go after villages of people, when you go after people who are, you know, just celebrating and dancing at a concert, when you go and you're just mowing down and killing civilians who are completely unarmed, I mean, I don't mean I don't want to get into like the what we hear what they did to the babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw one video um, Ben Shapiro played, and these are videos that Hamas themselves put out. Mm-hmm. So these terrorist organizations, they, they don't do these things and hide them. They want them out there because yeah. the whole purpose is to cause fear and terror. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they had, it was just one guy. He had been shot and he was wounded. He was not dead. And they decided to go ahead and take his head off with a garden hoe, right? <sighs> um, this one man, I don't know if you saw the story. He don't was, describe too many. I, yeah. It, no, no, I'm not going to go in. No. Yeah. No, I'm not going to go into how. But this one man and his girlfriend was was murdered on camera off of his own cell phone. They used his own cell phone to film what they were doing to him. And then they sent the video to his mother. Like, that's what we're talking about. That is the level of inhumaneness and the level of evil we're talking about. To do that to somebody and to send their mother the video. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, that's beyond the pale of, of what is standards of war. And I think yes. that's what people don't understand. So to say that the Jewish people deserve this, what did they, they just, well, if they keep poking the bear, eventually the bear is going to fight back and yeah. they're within their, their rights to fight back. I heard yeah. that almost yeah. word for word on a yeah. major Christian radio and, show. And yes. I think people, I think people need, people conflate two different issues that are going on within Israel. Okay. Because when you look at the map of Israel, there are two areas where Palestinians live. You have Gaza Strip on on the, the West Coast, and you have the West Bank, which is actually on the East Coast, but it's on the West Bank of the Jordan River, right? So you have the West Bank and you have the Gaza Strip. Hamas is in the Gaza Strip, not the West Bank. Where they are currently disputing over land is in the West Bank. There are no Jews in Gaza. They left in 2005. They pulled every Jewish citizen out of that area and handed it over to the Palestinians to say, here you go. It is yours. Do what you want. Right. It was only after Hamas in 2007 won the elections and took over and took over the Gaza Strip that Israel even put up the security measures and the blockade and all those types of things because a terrorist organization came to power. You so know. they voted in. Yes. So they handed. All right. Let me make sure I understand this. So they, Israel gave the Palestinians, the Palestinian people, the Gaza Strip, the Gaza Strip. Yeah. I'm, I'm like this. 
even to the point where they forced their own citizens out because there were Jews who didn't want to leave. The okay. Jewish government forced their own citizens to leave and say, we are giving it to them. So then that was their land to to settle, to yep. own, to, to flourish in. Yes. But then a couple of years later, they voted into power Hamas. Yes. Which is a terrorist organization uh, to yes. become their government. Yes. And this is what people need to understand about these terrorist organizations and how they kind of tie to what we kind of see here in the States and some other things we can relate it to. They are very big on what we would call social justice. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they resonate with the poor because this is what I will say. They flourish in areas where they have corrupt governments. The Palestinian government was corrupt, right? So aid is coming in, you know, from resources are coming in, but the people who are put in place to govern those resources, they're wealthy, they're doing okay, but the people aren't. And so you have these terrorist organizations that come in and they rile up the grievances of the people. They hand out food, they hand out blankets, they do this, this charity work to gain the people's trust and then they get voted into power or they get, you know, enough guns behind them where they take power, but they do it by appealing to a sense of righteousness and a sense of justice. And the people, they just want a government that is just, that's all they want. That's how the Taliban came to power in Afghanistan. That's how these things happen all over the world. People want a just government that's just going to treat them fairly and do right. And so in the in the face of corrupt in the face of corruption, which the Palestinian government was, you get this terrorist group that takes power because they win over the people. I, I think that's so interesting because super helpful. Yeah, I definitely helpful. I tend to to say that there is a, a cry, I think, for justice, you know, in I'd say 99% of the people, you know, on the planet. And it's because we are created in God's image. Yes. And we have a a God and father who is just. And as his children, we have an imprint. And, but unfortunately, when we don't follow in the footsteps of our father, those things go horribly astray. And that's what we see in our own country, that's what we see around the world. It's just that the 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 want and cry of people's hearts for justice is is there, and I think that it's it's a pure. I, I feel like there's some part of it that is pure that we want justice in our world, but we also combat the real desire for power and yeah. that that desire to rule and reign that we also see in Genesis. Yes. And so when we when we're trying to navigate those things, having a Christian worldview is so important because only in Christianity do these things properly thread out. Does do we even see a proper a proper definition of what it means to be a human and how to justly treat one another because we are human? Yes. How do we rightly hold power and wield the sword? This is this is what the Christian worldview instills in us that we miss out on when we don't understand the scriptures and have proper relationship with God. Those who uphold a false God or a God of their own making have no want, desire, right to even begin to think that I should do this justly, quote unquote, according to the standards put forth in scripture. What is their foundation for justice? They have none. What is their foundation for not murdering, raping, beheading babies? What is their foundation for that? They have none. Yeah. Because what is the 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 person? Yeah. You're not an image bearer. Yeah. So this we gotta remember about the the jihadist movement to help you understand the jihad and how they see the world. The world is divided up into two things. Um, I'll just use the the English term. Um, so basically you have like the house of war and the house of peace. The house of peace is wherever Islam reigns, wherever Sharia law reigns. The house of war is everywhere else and everybody else. So unless you are part of the house of peace, it's fair game. They don't have to treat you as an image bearer. You are a dog. You are filth, right? You are nothing. You're nothing more than cattle to be slaughtered. That's all you are. 
because you're not one of them. You're not a follower of Muhammad. And so, and this is the jihadist mindset. This isn't the Islamic mindset. This is jihad. These are the, the jihadists. Um, and that is how they justify what they do to people because in their mind, they aren't even people, you know? Um, and so I, I think it's important for people to realize that. Also, it's important for people to understand this about Hamas and why, why is this happening? So the way forward for peace has always been a two-state solution, an, a state of Israel and a state for the Palestinians. Israel has been on board with that. They will live next to the Palestinians. The issue is Hamas's charter, which founded their organization, stated they are committed to the destruction of Israel. They will never accept a two-state solution, right? Mm -hmm. And so no matter how much peace there is, and this is why Israel is probably have to go in there and just completely wipe them out because there will never be peace mm -hmm. because their whole statement is to return the entirety of the land mm -hmm. to the Palestinian people. And they believe they will do that with their lives and their blood. Mm -hmm. And there's no, there's nothing to take them from that mission. And what they call the resistance, they call mm -hmm. it, you know? And so how do you have a neighbor like that, that is dedicated to your destruction, no matter what, no matter how nice you are to them, no matter what you do, their whole thing is until you leave land that we believe is our ancestors, we will kill you. Mm -hmm. That. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, but go ahead. but this kind of brings me back then to where we started in the conversation about the critical social theory. So when we see all of these protests on college campuses and people making statements that we're going to be aligned with the resistance and the struggle and the pushback against the colonization, they're co-opting the framework and all of the terminology from the critical social theories that's already out there in our culture and our public vernacular in order to, it, it really instantly builds support for them because, oh, well, that's just like BLM. And I was standing for that a couple of years ago. Yep. And, oh, that's just like the queer thing. And I, I want to love people. And so this is just the natural next step in the all of the oppressed groups that I must love yeah, and be on the right side of history. Yes. And it goes, and this is why it is a worldview. And this is why it is a religion because they have a belief of what they believe is wrong with the world. Mm -hmm. And they have stated what they believe is wrong with the world. And that is whiteness, patriarchy, capitalism. Right. And so all of that is wrapped up in you know, the United States, they view Israel the same way. Um, and so that is the issue in the world isn't seeing, because if it was seeing, you can see seeing on both sides, right? You can say that this is sinful, this is sinful, this is right, this is wrong. But when you see the lens as what is really wrong with the world is uh, whiteness, patriarchy, and capitalism, well, then you are going to be for anything that is against that, right? And so that's how you lump all of these groups together. That's how you can justify anything that Palestine does or the Palestinians do to Israel because Israel is the great evil of what's wrong with the world. It is whiteness. It is patriarchy. You know, it's colonization. Yeah. Yes, colonization. It is, it is, that is what they believe is wrong with the world and their utopia is liberation from that, right? And so if, if I'm a Muslim, though, if I'm a jihadist Muslim, that's how I get to peace. 100%. Peace is when I enact Sharia law and I conquer all my neighbors and yes. force them or coerce them into conversion, and then there can be peace. Yes, and I think I also want to point out about the jihadists and how they view their own Arab leaders. So because, because of the, the British after World War II, or after World War I and the French carving these lines up and kind of creating these states, these nations, and giving them leaders and, and putting these structures in place, 
the jihadists view them as illegitimate leaders, right? They don't view them as Muslims to a degree, right? They view them as Western puppets. And so um, their goal is to reestablish a Islamic caliphate in that part of the world like they had at one time. That's, that is what their whole goal is. And so they hate the fact there are different nations. They hate the fact that these leaders, you know, uh, rule their individual kingdoms without thought of the bigger picture that they want to bring about. Um, that's why they do terror. This is what I want to say for people to understand. The, the number one victims of terrorism are other Muslims. That's what we need to remember. You know, uh, they they kill other Muslims more than anyone else because they are also viewed as the enemies of progress. Well, what progress means in their mind, and so you can see a lot of lot of similarities between kind of what these groups hold to and believe, and kind of the liberation revolutionary spirit of a lot of the critical theories, and how they see. They all see the issue with the world is the West. Mm -hmm. It is Western civilization is the great evil in the world to include Christianity. That is what's so crazy. That I would go so far as to say led by Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And but but this is what's so crazy is that our own Christians and Christian brothers tried to pull this ideology into our churches. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I know we got to go, but I'm here for that. We go gotta, ahead. We got to wrap. No, we don't. Go ahead and say it work, Evan. No, I'm just saying, like, this whole ideology is anti-Christ. It really is so much to the fact that you align with a terrorist group because of the way the ideology plays itself out. And they told us that this is what we needed to bring in our church to, to achieve justice. Right? That. But you that, read those comments on Sam Say's post this week. A lot of Christians saying if we don't side with Palestine, you know, that we're going to be on the wrong side of history. It's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And it, and it's like two it's like 2020 all over again. It really is. It really is. Because this is my point. Regardless of the historical context, regardless of what you feel about it, the state of Israel and the, 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 the plight of the Palestinians, whatever side you are. We should all be able to say what Hamas did was wrong, was evil, regardless of with, with, with no qualifiers. Right. Mm -hmm. She say that's just wrong. And so the fact that BLM Chicago would put out that flyer with the paratrooper coming down, mm -hmm. knowing what they did to those people. It's just so sick. And they've been they took it down. But I've gone to that Twitter page and seen their comments since then. They are joyful and gleeful in this. And mm -hmm. so um, it is, it's really, it's sad and it's evil. It's an evil ideology, you know? And that's that's what people need to, to realize. Once once you understand the, the critical theory lens, once you understand the oppressor oppressed lens, you can understand their worldview and how they apply it to different situations. It's the same thing over and over again, whether it's Israel, Palestine, whether it's black, white, whether it's male, female, whether it's, you know, able body versus non able body, whatever the categories are, whatever the situation is, apply the lens and you will understand how they see it. Well, we're going to have to put a bookmark there and continue these conversations moving forward, because I'm sure that this is going to be in the news for a while as things continue to develop. Thank you, Kevin. Um, yeah, absolutely. Helping us process this and begin to do that. And again, we're not trying to say the Israeli government has never done anything wrong. And it's no. like our government, they do wicked things. Our yep. government does wicked things. But even so, the Jewish people did not deserve these attacks. And so let's just be careful in how we're showing up out there. Yeah. Do you have any last words? That would be my last words. I, I would be my, my last words would be agreement with that. And just to be careful as to how we speak. Um, and gosh, remember that you don't know who might share your post, see your post. Be eavesdropping. Yeah. yeah. Reflect Christ well. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want to be 
those people. And I, I am guilty. Like I have at some point in my life been that person to just speak, make sure that we're careful in how we speak and that we're not speaking, writing, posting things on cyberspace or in the, you know, the cyber world that are unhelpful um, in this moment that are, you know, not God honoring in this moment that doesn't honor the image bearer, because whether you agree with Israel or you agree with Palestine, these are image bearers. They reflect the image of God, our father, and he cares for his image bearers. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so yeah, that would be my last word. So keep praying. I love Mary's comment here. She says, Messiah lives and reigns. And so pray for the people that live there on all sides of it and, um, you know, preach the gospel. And uh, that's really our greatest hope. Thank you all. And we hope you found this helpful. We look forward to your feedback. And thank you, Kevin. Yes, thank you. And we will see you soon. Good night and God bless. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the Theology Mom podcast and add your review. You can also follow Krista at Theology Mom on Facebook and YouTube. Join Krista for more theology adventures on the All The Things Show, co-hosted with Monique Dusan. Thanks for listening.